Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, chulas, it's me, Dalina. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition by Dalina Soto. That's me. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we are not your dietitian. Remember that this podcast does not constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a process, support, and focus, you need to live without food guilt. Apply to come work with me in my membership. I opened this membership so that chulas like you have a community to come in and discuss all the process and journey and everything it takes to be an intuitive eater. And I hope that we, the team, the coaches, the trainers can help you figure it all out so you can finally live a life free of diet. So come on over and join us in the club. I can't wait to see you there. All right, Melissa, we are here in the intuitive eating series. We have the OG today talking to us about ditching the diet. Rejecting diet culture is super important. Our guest today, Elise Resch, co-author of Intuitive Eating, talks a lot about why it's important, her experience with that. And before we dive on in this interview, I just wanted to get our little hot takes on rejecting diet culture. I most of all just want to point to the phenomenon that all of our clients experience, which is like that diet pendulum Mm -hmm. where they go on a diet, they start restricting they feel deprived, the primal hunger comes. And then what happens? They go to the other end of the pendulum or they binge and they feel guilty and they swing back and forth often for years. And around and around. It's tough. And rejecting diet culture means first and foremost, just acknowledging that that is happening to you, Mm -hmm. that it is not a lack of willpower, that it is a biological and psychological phenomena that happens when we diet. So Elise talks a lot about that in the interview. I just want to make it clear. It ain't your fault. No, it'll never be your fault. It is the patriarchy, society, fat phobic, racist, you know. And biology. And biology. Our bodies don't like it. It's not a favorable thing to eat less calories than your body actually needs. I put a post up. I don't know if you saw it. It was like making a, it was pointing to this, this phenomenon of like the weight loss journey. And someone commented like, it's the metabolic adaptation for me. I'm like, yeah, that is what it is. Like, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. So, you know, for any of you out there who feel on the fence about intuitive eating, totally normal. We're going to talk about that in this interview. And the hope is that specifically through this episode, you can start to resolve and normalize that so that when we move through the remaining intuitive eating principles, things feel a little bit more, I don't know, activated or possible. Yes. It's having that glimmer of hope that you're going to be able to take this journey, make it what you can. And also key, and this is what Elise 
this is one of the major things I remember from this conversation is compassion. And you and I are always talking about this. It's curiosity. It's compassion. It's giving yourself the ability to learn, grow, and evolve. Yeah. And trust that it's going to be okay, that you have everything within you to make this happen, to have a relationship with food that feels free and empowering, maybe even peaceful and calm. And so without further ado, I'd like to read the bio for Elise so we can get to know her a little bit better. Let me dive in and explain a bit about Elise, and then we'll listen to this interview. You ready? Yes. Elise Resch is a nutrition therapist in private practice in Beverly Hills, California. With 39 years of experience, specializing in eating disorders, intuitive eating, and health at every size. She's the co-author of Intuitive Eating, now in its fourth edition, the Intuitive Eating Workbook, and the Intuitive Eating Card Deck. She also authored the Intuitive Eating Workbook for Teens and the Intuitive Eating Journal, both of which she mentions during this interview. Elise is also a chapter contributor to the Handbook of Positive Body Image and Embodiment. Elise has published journal articles, print articles, and blog posts, and continues to do regular speaking engagements, podcasts, luckily including this one, and extensive media interviews. Her work has been profiled on NPR, CNN, KABC, NBC, KTTV, Los Angeles Times, AP Press, KFI Radio, The New York Times, USA Today, and The Huffington Post, among others. Elise is nationally known for her work in helping patients break free from diet culture through the intuitive eating process. Her philosophy embraces the goal of developing body liberation with the belief that all bodies deserve dignity and reconnecting with one's internal wisdom about eating. Elise supervises and trains health professionals, is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian and supervisor, a fellow of the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, and a fellow of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. For this and many other reasons you're about to learn in her graceful personality, we are so excited to get going on this interview with Elise. All right. All right, everyone. We are so excited over the moon that we have Elise here. Elise, can you help me pronounce your last name? I don't want to mess it up. It's actually easy. It's Resh. So it's like fresh. fresh. You just take the F off. Oh, I love that. I was like, I don't want to butcher this, but (laughs) who is one of the co-authors of Intuitive Eating with Evelyn Triboli. I feel like I messed that one up too. Um, Tripoli, <laughs> Tripoli, so, Tripoli. There you go. And I am so excited that you are here and that we get to have this conversation with you because we are actually doing like an intro to intuitive eating for our guests, and you are our first guest for the series of intuitive eating. Oh, and we're great. going to be talking all about the creation of it and and kind of like the first principle of it. So yeah, yeah we're just excited. We're hoping to reflect on rejecting diet culture. And we feel like you are the fairy godmothers of doing this. All dietitians um, of, of our generation kind of look to you guys as real leaders in this. And, you know, I think so many dietitians go through a parallel process um, same as with our clients where we are trained in diet culture and then we unravel it. And it's, it's a really confusing experience. So we'll, we'll dive into how it feels to reject diet culture and what that must've been like for you too. Okay. Great. Jess, there's a lot of unlearning, right? Yes, for sure. For sure. And and it's sad that even today, I mean, I went to graduate school in the seventies and uh, finished in the early eighties and here it is today. They're still teaching diet culture. It's pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. 
Yeah, so we'll, we'll take a few minutes here to have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about yourself so the, the sure. listeners can, can learn all about you. Okay, so uh, I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. I typically call myself a nutrition therapist. And lately, I'm thinking that's not even right, because I don't really teach nutrition. I have a master of science degree in nutrition, but it's a much more psychological approach to healing relationship with food and, you know, and body. And I am also a certified eating disorder RD and supervisor and yada, yada, yada. I don't want to bore you with all the other things. But I've been in private practice, it'll be 40 years next year. And it's my second career. I was an elementary school teacher when I first came out of college and went back to graduate school at 30. So it's the love of my life. I people ask me, are you going to retire? And I say, no, why would I want to do it? Do that when I love what I do? What am I going to do? Sit at home twiddling my thumbs. You know, I, I love, I love my work. Yeah. And it shows. So you have like a teacher's orientation on this as well. I do. And I've had I hate to tell you how many years of psychotherapy that I have a very psychological approach yeah. to it as well. As yeah. I said earlier. yeah, you can tell. Yes. Yes. Any well, other, well, we'll you asked me to tell you about myself, anything else specific you want to know? Um, say on the air. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't pre-screen our, our questions here, Elise. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, well, we did have a discussion about our, our fabulous curls prior yes. to starting. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and I I love the way you said that it was, you know, part of being intuitive, isn't it? It's just owning ourselves and appreciating and being grateful for the, the gifts we're given. And, and, and like working okay. with and appreciating what we have and amplifying. And, you know, I totally think there's a parallel journey with, with hair. Yeah, I <laughs> thought about that, but yeah, I was not in acceptance, radical acceptance mm-hmm. of my curly hair. Uh, you know, in high school, all the other girls had these beautiful, smooth ponytails and mine was a big, big, bushy, you know, ponytail. And yeah, and it wasn't accepting it. And so letting that go was major. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. that all of us full circle we stop straightening our hair and look at us now yes that's right who we are (laughs) exactly exactly awesome awesome so we're gonna dive in and and talk a little bit about this first question that we have for you so you and evelyn created this revolutionary you know way of of thinking and and making peace with food. I'm reading the title of the book here. It says making peace with food, free yourself from chronic dieting forever. (laughs) And we we really want to learn really how this all came about. Like, did this click instantly for you both? Or was it something that took years? Well, um, when I got out of um, graduate school and I did my traineeship, I was trained for a whole year at a facility connected with Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, working with developmentally disabled kids. Uh, It was called the Center for Child Development and Developmental Disabilities. And I was running their feeding clinic. And I thought my entire career was going to be working with kids with developmental disabilities. And it just didn't happen that way because I just didn't get the referrals. Instead, I was getting referrals from, unfortunately, physicians who would send people to me to lose weight. And I had I had no interest in that. I'd had my own eating disorder, which I had healed by that point. I did not want to be putting people on restrictive plans. I didn't fully understand what the problem was was with it, but I just knew that I wasn't a happy person when I was living my life that way. But what do I do? You know, there I am. These people are coming to me ostensibly for high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high, you know, blood sugar. And 
the uh, medical community's solution was have them lose weight, which mm-hmm. really is not the solution. In right. fact, it's the opposite of the solution. So what did I do? Well, I learned in graduate school how to create meal plans based on the diabetic exchange system. And, and so I would write out a plan for a client and say, this isn't a diet. This isn't a diet. Even then I knew, you know, I didn't want them to feel like they were on a diet, but I was creating it. I was telling them the right way to weigh, to, to eat. I thought it was balanced. And I would say, you know, if you want that cookie, it's okay. You know, just have one. <laughs> Terrible, terrible. And it just was never right. And I wasn't happy in my work. And fortunately, probably in the late 80s, I started reading some of the non-diet, not anti-diet, but the non-diet literature that just started to come out. There was a wonderful book by um, Hirschman and Munter, Carol Munter and Jane Hirschman, that was called Overcoming Overeating. And part of my eating disorder was diet and binge and diet and binge. I'm reading it and I'm thinking, wow, what they're saying is the deprivation that comes up with dieting leads people to, you know, fall off and and binge. It made a lot of sense to me. And what they said was, you know, just eat whatever you want. And I went, oh, no, there's no way. I'm a, you know, I'm a dietitian. I'm a nutritionist. How can I tell people to eat whatever they want? But it stuck with me. The psychology of it stuck with me. And there were some other books that were coming out at the time. I read um, Fat is a Feminist Issue by Susie Orbach. And I was I was there in the second wave of feminism. So I was a strong feminist at that point. And so that, you know, that just really connected with me. And so it was rumbling, it was rumbling. And then I said, I'm going to write a book. So I sat down at my computer, an earlier version of computer, better than the typewriter that I used to type my master's thesis with whiteout. <laughs> Young women don't, don't I remember whiteout. We're like cusp of that technology shift. So, you know, so I got on the computer and I laid out chapter titles and I started to put a little information on and I was thinking about a title. And as I was thinking about this recently, I think I was going to title it The Tao of Eating, T-A-O, because I was very interested in the Tao of Poo. Taoism. My 15-year-old son at the time called me one day and said, Mom, you've got to read this book. It's an amazing book. And it was Taoism explained through Winnie the Pooh. And it was really all about letting things unfold the way they're supposed to process, you know, not being so rigid and, and, you know, linear. So that was the thought. In any case, at that time, Evelyn, Evelyn and I live about an hour away from each other. And she was coming up to LA once a week to see a couple of patients in LA. And I had in my office, I had extra space and she was using my space, my extra space to see her patients. And so one day she was, um, I saw her walking down the hall and she looked you know, a little unhappy. And I stopped her. I said, Evelyn, what's the matter? And she said, Oh, I'm so frustrated. I want to write this book. I was going to write it with a psychologist and she doesn't know how to write. And it was that moment. I don't know if you ever read any of Virginia Woolf was that moment of being where it just, that light bulb went off. And I said, Evelyn, I'll write it with you. Because what hit me was that she was going to write it with a psychologist. And I wasn't a psychologist, but I was so psychologically informed. And we sat down and talked and, you know, I don't know exactly where she was, but it, it really correlated. And we just said, we're going to write this book. And so we started and we wrote a proposal and we talked about chapters. We divvied them up, things that she was most interested in, things I was most interested in. And we wrote the proposal and we sent it out. We had, Evelyn already had an agent because she had written a book prior to this. Mm-hmm. 
and he sent it out to publishers and we got three offers. It was a different time in the publishing world then. And so we ended up choosing St. Martin's Press and that's the beginning. And the first book was published in 1995. I love how you synthesize so many different schools of thought. And it's, it's apparent when you're reading intuitive eating, these little like, it, it's forwardly and explicitly about eating behavior, but it often kind of weaves in, like you're talking about the process orientation of learning. And I say to my clients all the time, a lot of what we're doing is coping with the learning. <laughs> like the intuitive eating itself is not all that challenging. It's how am I feeling as this change occurs? And I just, it makes so much sense that you had these schools of thought floating around now that you say that, because you can see that in the work quite a bit. So that was the beginning. And yeah. now we're in our fourth edition. So, yeah. And lots of other books around it. So mm-hmm. yes. you have one for adolescence as well that you. I wrote, yes. I wrote the intuitive eating workbook for teens, mm-hmm. which came out two years ago. It's one of my favorites. Well, they're all my favorites, but I really, I love it because I'm kind of right in their faces. I'm using adolescent developmental psychology in it to speak to teens. It was, it was interesting when Evelyn and I wrote the intuitive eating workbook, our editor at New Harbinger Press said, you know, maybe after that, you'll write a book for teens. And I, she and I had actually talked about it. I was like, eh, you know, teenagers are pretty old. They can read the regular workbook. But then when he came to me afterwards and uh, really encouraged me to write this book, I thought there is a big difference. Teenagers hear things differently. Uh, they need to be addressed in a way that honors their autonomy. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book does. The Intuitive Eating Workbook for Teens literally is based on that developmental stage, which I yeah. still have because my inner teen is very active of, you know, not wanting to be told what to do. And yeah. so in explaining intuitive eating in the very beginning of the book, I acknowledge that they have very little in their lives that they have agency over. And that, in fact, by adopting intuitive eating, that will be one area of their lives where they have autonomy, where they mm. can eat what they want, and nobody's going to tell them what to eat. So yeah. yeah, there's that. And then I just had a new uh, intuitive eating journal that just came out last month, which is so lovely. And uh, I love it. And it's more of a place to write in an extensive way to express feelings, to be imaginative. There are prompts, there are 10th chapters, you know, according to the principles in a different order than in the book. They just prompt people who probably know something about intuitive eating before, although they could be introduced to it through this, to really go deeply and do a deep dive into, in fact, there's there, each chapter, pretty much each chapter has a part that goes, go deeper. It's that's after they yeah, do yeah. write some. So it's a, it's lovely. And then uh, Evelyn and I did the intuitive eating card deck, which also came out on the same day, which is fun. It's like a tarot deck. That's how I think of it. Just <laughs> hard and Taking it on in different forms is just so helpful. People learn it different ways. And so I think that's great that you have all these opportunities for people to just sink into it a little bit more deeply. I said to the editor at some point, don't you think the next step is a, is a calendar? Let's just do an intuitive. Yeah. We, we laughed about calendars. it. <laughs> or like, you know, the advent calendars around Christmas, uh-huh. you could do like a chocolate thing yeah. or different foods. <laughs> we could discover satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, it's limitless. It's limitless. Which is by the key to it, by the way, the key to intuitive eating is the satisfaction piece. That's why I was saying I, in the books I've written, I do it in different or in a different order. After 
challenging, well, um, reject diet mentality, which is essential, I go right into satisfaction because to me, that's the lens you want to look at in figuring out the best hunger level, not necessarily a number, but how do you feel? How do you get the most satisfaction from your eating if you're eating at comfortable uh, hunger and uh, what happens after comfortable fullness, that kind of thing. I don't go into hunger and fullness until after I've done satisfaction. Yeah. Love it. Well, I always say satisfaction is my favorite too. We just did a recording of that and Melissa asked me and I was like, plus you've got some real ascetic approach to life where you don't believe in enjoyment in any way or anything, what people would call indulgent. I don't call it indulgent, but I mean, who wouldn't want to have more satisfaction in eating? We get to do it like five, six times a day. I wonder. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's our pursuit. That's what we want. Right. So this reject diet culture in your ordering is like number one. Yeah, it has to be because if there is even that slightest perception that you're going to go on a diet, thinking that you're going to go on a diet, which brings that perception that you're going to be deprived in the future, there is no way you can make full peace with food. There is no way that you can deal with those feelings that come up when you have had enough to eat to satisfy you. It tastes good. You want to go on, but you know, to feel good, you'll stop. I I wrote a paper called the sadness of saying enough. It's a big part of my work helping people. Yeah. It's my favorite concept. And, and it, when clients kind of get to the point in their work where they're like, I want to eat and I can feel the fullness and I know I'm done. There's that knowing that I'm done, but I keep eating. Why? I heard you talk about this in an interview and it changed my practice because being able to label that for people to say, that's the sadness of saying goodbye, gives them a whole new frame to work with that sensation. And it's so human. I mean, any of us who is doing something wonderful and you have to stop because you have to stop, you know, it's best for you to stop, like stop reading your book at night so you can get enough sleep or, you know, you feel sad for a moment. Oh, I want to know what's going on. And the the hardest for me is when I finish that book and can't wait to, to find out, you know, what actually happens in the book and then it's over and I'm sad. Yeah. Thinking about, well, there'll be a new book, just like there'll be a new meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. It just, it's just seeing your face and like hearing your voice talking about this just brings so much joy to me because it just, oh, I died, but <laughs> <laughs> thank just you. Like that, that, that conversation on just like how food is just so important and how it gives us so much joy and so much pleasure and satisfaction, right? And yes, it's sad, but we can't even get to enjoying that until we can get and let go of all the rules and let go of that that idea that in order for you to be accepted or perfect or or whatever the society tells us that we need to be on a diet and that we need to look a certain way so rejecting that is so powerful it's like us embracing our curls exactly exactly well you can't miss something you've never experienced in the first place like that's the real loss and I think people who are stuck in diet culture Sometimes, you know, I almost get this sense from people who are on the fence about it. Like, well, this is as good as it gets for me. Like, this is what, this is, this is it. This is how I have to go through life. The the burden I have to bear. And it's just not true. And that's well, what we're going to bring them back to toddlerhood, maybe before they got pulled away from their internal wisdom. It's hard to remember being a toddler, but, you know, imagining yeah. enjoying that first bite of ice cream or that we just get pulled away from it so early. And so, yeah, I was talking to my friend and her little baby son tried oatmeal for the first time. And she said, he's like, 
like white knuckling to get more because he loves the taste of oatmeal. And I'm like, can people can probably not even imagine this, that that's something of a food that maybe is not as exotic, but as a baby, you're like, oatmeal. Now that's something (laughs) that's cool. So we all have had that experience at one time. For sure. So let's, let's move it along here. And this is a question that I feel like I, we've discussed Melissa and I, I hear a lot of us in this world discuss kind of like when we've been at that fork of intuitive eating where you maybe you just don't know which way to go and you've done some things in the past which make you cringe right because we we come from this education where we're taught diet culture and like you said you were writing these meal plans based on the diabetic exchange and you knew in your in your soul and and everything that that was not okay right and like I've experienced that Melissa's experienced that like And we talk about it openly. And I feel like it's important for us to talk about being on the fence. So how have you talked about like this evolution that you've had throughout your career where you did these things, right? And they're kind of like out there sometimes, like whether it was, you know, a research paper, maybe in your thesis or something, and it's out there in the world, but now you have evolved. Like, how could you you talk a little bit about well first of all with self-compassion and with understanding that if we don't evolve throughout our lives you know how sad and to understand that we can only do and know what we know at the time and I knew in my gut giving these meal plans was not the right way especially one day when I'll never forget a young woman couldn't do it. Most of my other clients, they could do it. They were trying to be good students and they'd eat what I told them. And she came in, she said, I just can't do it. I'm binging. And I didn't know what to say to her because I hadn't understood the psychology of it at that point. So the first book, the first edition, somebody just accused us of of it being a weight loss plan. And it never was. It did say something like find your natural weight. And some people interpreted it as oh, I'll lose weight on this. And that was not what we meant. We just meant that your body knows and that's how it will end up. But we, over time, over the four editions or the, not the second edition, the second edition was actually identical to the first edition, except I wrote a chapter on eating disorders and it was tacked on and we had six weeks to get it in. So the third edition, we evolved and we started to address you know, some of those issues and take out anything that we thought referred to weight. Well, guess what? When we were writing the fourth edition, which is 10 years later, we realized there were still things in there that we didn't like that had some reference that would click in about weight. So we did our best to take that out. And who knows if there's ever another edition. <laughs> I'm tired of writing. I've been writing straight for about six years. There, there would be more to say, you know, including like the racial origins of fat phobia. And, but we did bring up social justice and white stigma and things like that. So, so I guess the answer to my, to your question is that I have to take this with a sense of grace. Uh, Whatever I have said was not intentionally to do any harm. I feel sad about the clients that came to me and went on and took my meal plan seriously and quote unquote, lost weight and then fell off of it and gained it back and felt terrible about themselves. I'm sad for that, but I'm hoping that they can see the evolution over time. In part, this is what it means to be early adopters of new thinking. Like there are like any experiment, there are going to be moments of learning and, you know, incorrect action or however you want to apply it. And I think that the ability to name it, label it and change means that the next generation of dietitians, which I'm so excited about, I had three interns who like 
wove in a health at every size intuitive eating thing into there. It, it, it's just amazing how inspired this next generation is. How, what's it like for you? Like watching, you've said you've been in practice 40 years. We all yeah. fangirl over you, yeah. like no one's business. What's <laughs> it like for you to watch the, the younger generation? Yeah. Of it's so interesting. Two years ago, 2019, Evelyn and I did a talk at our, at, uh, Fancy, which is yeah the, we were well, I was there you were there, there the organization of you know American the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics annual meeting and there were over 2,000 young people there many of them dietitians standing room only and it was it was transformative to stand in front of that group try not to think about it. I've got 2,000 people listening to me and see how excited they were and people rushing up afterwards to talk to both of us and it was a wonderful feeling. I, I had a 15-year-old male client, I don't know, last year say to me, well, Lise, this is kind of like a revolution, isn't it? And I said, it absolutely is a revolution. So to see that click in people's brains, and especially the professionals who are going to take it on, you know, it's amazing. And the truth is, I mean, somebody does have to keep doing it because we don't live forever. And, you know, to have the young people kind of to, 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 uh, hand over the torch to the young people like you too. <laughs> it's just wonderful. And those younger than you do. And I think our client base also is energized by this message, this idea of generational healing, or, you know what, I know better. I want to do better for my kids or my niece or nephew. I, I think that that is what gives sort of the swell and the, the energy around all of this is we do feel the higher purpose or we're, we're kind of working together on something in this. Yeah. And higher purpose. If this is a very spiritual piece for me. I mean, I am here on this planet to, I hope to help the healing of others. And so to have this, uh, which I know is so healing. I mean, one of the reasons I'm so busy is I get so many emails and I personally respond to them all. And I just am so happy that people write and talk about how it's changed their lives. And it's really very um, validating for my purpose. Yeah. Love to hear that. And I was at Fancy. You couldn't literally, it was like, you couldn't move. It was so packed in there. It was such an amazing feeling. Everybody left there energized, happy, talking about it. Everybody's still talking about it. It was probably one of the best <laughs> talks in Fancy history. But let me tell you something sad. I don't know if you know about it. They're going to have a talk this coming year. You did hear about it. Oh, we know. About intuitive eating and weight loss, how they can coexist or something. It's like, are you kidding? Are you going to write a rebuttal? Oh, you know, I, I just I just found out about it last week. I, I don't know. I'm just so angry. Yeah. I just, we are. We all are angry. Yeah. It feels disrespectful. It feels like no one's listening when that stuff kind of well, happens. It's just the professional organization is so backwards that they yeah. would even entertain that. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 So I think that really what why I asked this question and, and what I want our listeners to know is that we grow, we evolve, we learn, and we learn more and more and more. So even if you were immersed in diet culture, like some of us, even when we went to school were, and we did some things that now we know we're not the best, you can still move forward. Mm -hmm. You can still learn more. And I always tell my clients, even if you fall down again, even if you happen to go on a diet again, you can always come back. Like this is not, this is a safe space for you to learn and grow regardless. Well, I, I don't know if you know about my model of healing. I call it the spiral of healing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's in one or two of the books, I think. In fact, the workbook, I think was translated to Russian at one point, And I didn't know what it was when I saw it. And then I saw my spiral of healing in there. And so the model is really 
the momentum is always upward and onward. And sometimes we twist around and those moments are not failures. They are moments of learning. And that's really exactly what you're saying is that, I mean, how can we know everything from way back? You know, we have to evolve and I hope I continue to evolve. So, yeah. And we all will also as, you know, dietitians, as, as we're learning more, we are all going to evolve. And I think that makes rejecting diet culture feel like less of an overwhelming thing when you know, like you don't need to like shut the door and say, never, never again. I, I I'm flipping a switch. I refuse. It is a paradigm shift and it won't feel like that. It won't feel like, oh, I'm done. Never mind. Something you've likely pursued your entire life. And so there's going to be some tension around letting that go. And so that healing spiral visual gives me a lot of peace to say, okay, like I'm allowed to take my time into this. Sure. For sure. You know, I've actually had clients over time who have said, well, I'm just going to go on this diet and that diet, but I want to keep seeing you at least because I really like talking to you. And I go, I go, go ahead, do it. Let's, we'll just observe what goes on. You know, I don't try to stop them and they come in and they tell me their feelings and you know, that's how they reject. Diet yeah. Culture. Yeah. You know, they weren't told they can't do it. Right. We're learning so much from you right now. So I wanted to ask you one last question. And I feel like you've already kind of answered this with IE being or intuitive eating being so buzzy, right? We, we see what's happening now with this conversation happening at the fancy this year, which we're not happy about. But what is your hope for the future of intuitive eating as it moves forward? Well, my hope is, as we were saying, that all the new generation and new generation and newer generation of professionals start to spread the word. I'm Jewish, and there is a concept in Judaism called tikkun olam, which is um, repairing the world. And it basically says that if one person can help heal another person, then that person will heal another person. And it spreads, you know, kind of like a spider's web, I guess, all over the place. And so my hope is that I can help as many people through my individual work with clients, through my podcast, through my writing, through interviews, through every way I can get the word out that one other person changes. And then that person affects another person. And, and obviously it's in the world of professionals, and especially those who become certified intuitive eating counselors to be able to appropriately spread the word. In fact, I was sent something by a client today of someone who wrote something on or who did a video on YouTube that was all the problems with intuitive eating or something like that. The four reasons intuitive eating doesn't work. I wrote to the person, I said, I'd like to have a private conversation with you. Here's my email address because, you know, this is not someone who has really trained. Right. Right. Anyways, you're you're in that space to do that, that you're like, you know what, let's talk about this like adults. Exactly. So I appreciate you, Elise. And I am taking a little piece of that today. We're, we're carrying it with you. It, it just means so much your work to both of us and our clients. So thank you yeah. for everything thank you do. You. Thank you for having me on. And I, another one of those steps of getting the word out. So yeah. thank you. It's so nice to, to talk with both of you. Yeah. And you taught us so much just today. I just learned <laughs> so many new tidbits. So I'm just like, so thankful that, that you came on. So thank you so, so much. You're welcome. All right. Take care, Elise. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. Bye. As expected. We are just over the moon excited that we got to meet one of our sheroes, Elise Rush. She was incredible. I'm like, are you okay? I almost cried. You, you, could you tell I was like tearing up? Yeah, no, we were, 
we should release the video because the two of us were just like feverishly nodding like on the edge oh my gosh guys you know how they say don't meet your heroes you might get disappointed that was not the case with Elise we were more in love than we were before you and I know Delina and I are very passionate about what we do and as you have seen it's a very tight-knit community to have met Elise and learn from her today I hope it meant something to you as it did to us. I hope it helped you to hear directly from the creator, co-creator of Intuitive Eating. Yeah. That was so much fun. And like, oh, you, you heard, we, we like learned so much, even in the process of talking to her, we evolved, we grew. Imagine how much you can evolve and grow in this journey as you continue to move yeah. on. It's never done. Always making those connections. So this was a great kickoff to the intuitive eating series. Um, We'll be continuing on next week with honor your hunger. Excited to talk a bit about that for now, guys, take a breath, process what you've learned. See if there's any takeaways that you want to practice. I would love if you DM Delina or myself, if you, there's something you liked about the episode or you're working on, we're here for you as you continue this process. And as always, if you get a moment, we did see a lovely review last week. I don't know if you saw it, Delina. You know, I've been off. I've been off the You're screen. on social media break. Well, I'll tell you, this review said that they've been using the podcast to keep inspiring them on their intuitive eating journey. They are taking little nuggets from these episodes and using them. And I hope other people are too. And if you are, leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you like about the pod. Helps us get found. Helps us feel connected to you and keep evolving these episodes so that they actually meet your needs. It means the world to us. So thank you. Yes. So leave us those reviews and come talk to us where we found each other on Instagram. (laughs) We did. Thanks for being here and for being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.